On December 1, 2017, Poppy Chula Radio celebrated its 7-year anniversary of podcasting. Here's what some of our most loyal listeners had to say to celebrate the momentous occasion. Hey, hey, hey. Happy anniversary, Poppy Chula Radio. Congrats on seven years. Happy seven-year anniversary, Poppy Chula Radio. Happy anniversary, Poppy Chula Radio. Happy seven-year anniversary, and here's the seven more years. I love you guys. Mwah. Congrats on seven years. Happy anniversary, Poppy Chula Radio. Happy anniversary, Poppy Chula Radio. Congratulations on seven years of podcasting, Poppy Chula Radio. Happy seven-year anniversary, Poppy Chula Radio. Happy anniversary, Poppy Chula Radio. Congratulations on seven fantastic years. Poppy Chula Radio, happy anniversary. Congratulations on seven years. Props on your seven-year anniversary of Poppy Chula Radio. And I would like to wish Poppy Chula Radio a very, very happy seven-year anniversary. Congrats, guys. What the F is the AMT? Love the Arrowverse podcast. Hey, the Arrowverse podcasts are killing it. The Arrowverse podcasts are amazing. The Flash, Arrow, Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow. From the Time Masters, Central City Chronicles, National City Tribune, all the way to the Star City Report. Love the Marvel podcast. Love all the Marvel podcasts. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Legion, Iron Fist, Luke Cage, and the Defenders, Agent Carter, I miss her, come back girl, shout out to Queen Sugar's Court, the American Horror Story Podcast are the best, the American Horror Story Podcast was so good, and we forget The Walking Dead, hey shout out to all the Ramblers, lots and lots of fun, sending lots of love to the Ramblers, love, love, love the throne room, Game of Thrones is simply the best, shout out to the throne room, the throne room is so dope, love the line. Then Empire gives me life. The truth is still out there on your X Files podcast. Once upon a time podcast is on point, you guys. Storybook Weekly Mirror. Big Little Lies. Big Little Lies are my truth. I love listening to Summer Camp. You guys are hilarious. Love checking into the horror hotel. I love it. Love you. Love you. I, I absolutely love it. I love listening to you. Uh, you guys do such a great job, and your panel gives me everything I need. Keep up your work. It's like we're. It's like. Just awesome. You guys are awesome. Keep doing what you're doing and keep moving forward. Hot, hot, hot. Keep the chuckles coming. You're freaking fierce. You guys are fucking amazing. I love you. You guys are freaking awesome. Keep the tea pouring. Yeah. I love what you guys are doing with the show. Keep feeling that tea, guys. Props on seven fantastic years of podcasting. Congratulations on seven years. Happy seven years. Congrats. Keep up the good work. You are the best. Happy seven years. Why well, was you guys happy anniversary? Talk to everything. Happy seven years, Poppy Chula Radio. Congrats. Uh, you guys have a wonderful array of podcasts. You guys are hilarious. It definitely helped me make my day. Congratulations on a fantastic seven years. Man, I love all the hard work you guys put into the podcast. Just keep up the great work. And uh, once again, congrats on seven awesome years. So good. Congrats, Poppy Chulo Radio. Happy seven-year anniversary. Congrats again on seven years, Poppy Chulo Radio. Keep up the great work. What is the damn tea? Please, help me. Happy seven years, yo. I'm so proud of you guys. Thanks for providing endless entertainment for me. I love you all, and I'm so, so happy in seven years. Man, y'all are on top. I love you guys. Thank you so much. Wishing Poppy Chulo Radio a very happy seven-year anniversary. It's just seven more years, and then seven more, and then seven more, and then, well, you get the picture. We would like to thank all of our listeners, subscribers, 
followers and fans, for making these past seven years a success. We look forward to the next seven years. From all of us here at PoppyChulaRadio.com, thank you so much for subscribing to our network of podcasts. One of our listeners said it best. What does your announcer say? Oh yeah, Pop Chula Radio, pop culture on demand. I've always wanted to say that. The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to Storybrooke. Because the first step to a new beginning is imagining that one is even possible. Welcome to Storybrooke Weekly Mirror in Hyperion Heights, the unofficial Once Upon a Time podcast, a PoppyChuloRadio.com original series, Poppy Chulo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Monday, December 11th. 2017, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the ABC series, Once Upon a Time. Please welcome my co-hosts, Katie. Hi, guys. Can't wait to discuss this new episode with you all. Vinny Hatcher. Hey, everyone. Let's dive on in. And Jenna Pace. Hey, everybody, it's been three long weeks, but we are back. We are. All right, let's jump into our recap of Season 7, Episode 9, which was titled One Little Tear and aired December 8, 2017. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. Victoria strikes a deal with Weaver in an attempt to free herself from jail and wake Anastasia. But the cost of saving one life could mean the loss of another. In a flashback, we learn Lady Tremaine's surprising connection to another classic fairy tale when Mother Gothel offers to help her family. Meanwhile, Jacinda and Nick share an exchange that could alter her future with Henry. Bum, bum, All right, let's check in on the ratings. Once Upon a Time was viewed by 2.49 million total viewers with a 0.5 in the demo. It's increased in the total viewers, but it was flat in the demo versus the series lows that were posted by the double episode that aired on November 17th, which averaged 2.28 million total with a 0.5 in the demo. So I want to get everyone's initial reaction to one little tear and uh, let's start off with Jenna Pace. Alrighty. Well, um, I think this was a fantastic episode. It gave us a really good one piece about this character who's had a lot of mystique behind her up to this point and really fills in a lot of the gaps. Takes a lot of surprising turns with her and, and it just makes her so compelling. And on the other side, we get to see, um, so we get to see like, more intricate interactions between other characters like 
Rumpel, Gothel, Ivy, Lucy, and yes, the focal the focus character, Lady Tremaine herself. So I think that this is I think that this was a great way to bring them all together, give us this cool mystery, uh, beginning, a middle, and end. And it's just it's just really interest it's really interesting. It, the endings and the ending puts you on the hook for the next episode. So yeah, I liked it a lot. Vinny, what about you? I definitely enjoyed the episode. I, I agree with Jen and the fact that it was really interesting to get a little bit more exposure with Victoria, who had been torn down to such a level that she was almost defenseless and had to kind of go crawling to Rumple for his help. Uh, overall, I enjoyed the story arc. Uh, I had a couple of little things here and there that didn't sit well with me, but they were small enough that it didn't really affect my overall opinion, and I, I agree as well. I'm definitely excited to go into the finale next week. Katie? I also really enjoyed this episode. Um, we got a lot of answers uh, to questions we've been asking for a while now. Um, we also had a fan theory confirmed, which was kind of exciting. It was mine. And, yes, it was But yours. I am a fan. I give, <laughs> I give you all the credit. <laughs> uh, but, um, I mean, we got... We finally got to see some things play out that I've been waiting to play out for a while now. And uh, it, like both of you guys were saying, it left us at a place where I'm really excited to see what happens in this mid-season slash winter uh, finale. So it was, a, it was a good episode to leave us at that point. I like it. You're like, winner finale. You don't even pronounce. Katie's so what? awesome. She doesn't even pronounce the T, y'all. I'm just saying. I am from the Midwest. Can you tell? <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> All right. I guess it's four for four. I enjoyed it as well. I love that a little thing that I said a couple episodes ago ended up becoming true. That was awesome. I like that we learned a lot about Lady Tremaine slash Rapunzel. Like, that was awesome. And uh, I found her very sympathetic. Like, I get that she did some bad uh, things, per se, but, like, I understood fully her motivation. It was all about family, and, and the show has always been about family. And uh, I think the flashbacks really made her much more sympathetic and I still think what I've said in the past that they're going to somehow redeem this character in Hyperion Heights so uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see because obviously she did something that we'll be discussing so uh, before we get into a thorough recap of the latest episode of Once Upon a Time here's our announcer with a few special announcements Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasters discussing some of your favorite television shows. Visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts for a complete list of all the podcasts that we produce. You will get up-to-date information on whether the podcast is currently releasing new episodes or if it's on hiatus. You will also be able to click a link to either take you to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or the Poppy Chula Radio archives to download the podcast. To binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasts, visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts. 
Would you like to be one of the podcasters on this podcast discussing your favorite television show? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. We are always looking for new voices to add to our collection of podcasts. To become a co-host you must be at least 18 years old. You must be comfortable sharing your opinions. And you must be comfortable using Skype. There's no podcast experience required. So if you think you have what it takes to be a Poppy Chula Radio on-air personality, email talent at poppychularadio.com. We look forward to hearing from you. This is a Poppy Chula Radio special announcement. PoppyChuloRadio.com is currently looking to expand its web presence, and we're looking for your help. If you're a fan of Poppy Chulo Radio and its signature series, please visit GoFundMe.com slash PoppyChuloRadio and help us with our campaign. Every dollar amount donated will be improving the Poppy Chulo Radio experience and making it more interactive and user-friendly. We thank you in advance for your support. This has been a Poppy Chulo Radio special announcement. We now return you to our regularly scheduled programming. Thanks, announcer. So a quick shout-out to the opening title card, which featured the floating lanterns in the forest. So let's start off as we always do. In the past, in the magical forest, we see Rapunzel... And she is trying to uh, basically acquire some radishes from uh, Mother Gothel's garden to save uh, her sick husband and to feed her uh, children. And uh, obviously she gets caught. Gothel uh, agrees to give her the radishes in exchange for trapping Rapunzel in her tower. And so Rapunzel gets trapped in the tower because of the radishes, and uh, she ends up escaping after six years of being in the tower. And uh, she ends up uh, cutting off most of her hair, and she uses it as uh, basically rope to climb off of uh, the tower. And so when she returns home... She's excited, thinking that, you know, her family is going to greet her with open arms, you know, like, I'm here, did you miss me? And she finds out that her husband remarried to a woman named Cecilia, and uh, he gained a stepdaughter in Ella. And so, Goffel ends up reappearing and tempts Rapunzel into basically making a deal or into making you know Cecilia run away from the family with this uh, mushroom from Wonderland and so Rapunzel initially is very hesitant in doing so but after some time you know she starts to become really jealous of Cecilia and so she ends up like squeezing the mushroom and I guess getting some juice out of it. I guess that's how you get the the poison heart thing. She ends up uh, forcing Cecilia to flee to uh, Wonderland. And so, as we know from Jacinda's story, her father, Marcus, ends up uh, chasing after her. But, uh, you know, he ends up returning without Cecilia. 
and he tries to make a family with Rapunzel and Ella and uh, their daughters. And so one day, while, you know, in the winter, or in the winter, right, Katie? Yes. Okay. The horrible winter. In the winter. Um... While uh, on some ice, you know, Anastasia ends up falling through some thin ice with Ella. And uh, initially, you know, Anastasia was trying to get Ella off of, of the ice, but they both fall through. And Marcus ends up saving Ella and not Anastasia. And so Gothel ends up saving Anastasia's final breath but the price is to keep Anastasia in the tower but Gothel doesn't know that Rapunzel has uh, pickpocketed the potion that sends people to the tower and ends up using it on Gothel trapping her in the tower and now we know how we got how she got there so Let's pause and let's break it down. I want to get everyone's feels on the situation. Rapunzel, Marcus, Cecilia, Ella, Anastasia, Gothel. Let's get into this flashback. Katie? Okay. Well, there was a lot that happened in this flashback. Um, First of all, I actually wasn't that keen on... uh, Wow. Victoria, yes, that's her name. Rapunzel. Uh, Victoria <laughs> being Rapunzel. Oh. And I wasn't. Hate her. I don't know why, but. Did you hate it as bad as the gnome? No, I did not. Okay. It was just a, a sort of, I don't really like it, but I will say that this, this episode did really make me appreciate it. I, I kind of liked that plot twist, even if uh, some people did see it coming. I, I liked it. Um, I will say, judging from my mom's reactions, I kind of um, judge her reactions as I would to kind of see how, you know, the general audience re- reacts to things. And she was totally surprised. And so... I'm sure a lot of the general audience was very surprised, which um, it's kind of, you know, it's neat. They're still able to pull those off, um, those uh, plot twists off on people. Um, But I will say that this episode made me appreciate it because ever since, even before the season started and when they were doing all the press and everything for... um, this season we were you know made to believe that victoria is going to be the big bad and you're not gonna um really sympathize with her at all and all this stuff but this episode really did make me sympathize with her i felt like i could really sympathize and understand why rapunzel uh, did what she did and um why she felt as she felt, and it gave Victoria Belfry more of a um, humanistic side of her, I guess you could say, not just this villain outlook on life, um, but I don't know, it was just, it was really neat the way they did it, um, I liked how the episode opened up with 
um, Rapunzel being the one kind of driving their family while Marcus is, you know, really sick and dying in the back and she has two little girls and, you know, she's trying to be this provider that's going to save her family. And I, I kind of really appreciate that because it turns that, it turns a trope on its head where it's always, you know, the father who's trying to, you know, save the family and all of that. So it was kind of neat to see that there was, you know, this woman who's trying to save her husband and her kids. Um, I liked, I liked how they, I don't know. I really like the witch or slash, sorry, she has a name now, Mother Gothel. I really like Mother Gothel as a villain because she's just so evil. I, I don't know. You don't know what to expect from her. And we were really made to believe that um, I didn't, I mean, I guess I could say I really didn't expect what happened for her to just, you know, lock her in a tower, for that to have happened. And, I mean, we get an explanation for it at the end of the episode, but I, I was a little confused as it was playing out why it was happening, but when you get to the end of the flashback and you find out why, it makes sense. Um, but it's just, it was very intriguing, and then we flash forward to when Rapunzel escapes, and... Um, we see that Marcus is married again. And I don't, oh, I felt so bad for her, I, you know, to be locked away in this tower for all of these years and to be trying her hardest to get back to her family. And she finally gets that opportunity and her husband is remarried and everything that she's been hoping for is just taken away from her. You know, she was doing, she did all this to save her family and it did save them, but it also she paid the price as we always have um, said throughout all of these seasons of once upon a time is magic always comes with a price. And unfortunately she paid that price and it was kind of a big price to pay, but um, it was just, it was very intriguing. Um, another thing I'd comment on was um, Anastasia's death scene. Wow. <laughs> I, when Marcus dove into the water and saved Ella over Anastasia, I was just like, what the? Get back in the water and get Anastasia. Like, he didn't even try. He just, like, brought Ella out. And then he was like, well, she's gone. I can't get her. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, what the? You could at least go, like, in. I love how you broke it down, get... Katie. It was just a lot. I was like, what the heck, Marcus? But, I mean, it makes sense why um, Rapunzel slash Lady Tremaine really holds a grudge against Ella because she was chosen over her favorite daughter. Um, so I like how they gave us a real reason um, to understand why she has this grudge against Ella. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, um, it's just, there was, there was a lot to cover in the flashback, so I think I'll leave off there, but I really did like that they gave us so many things and answers to really think about and to um, see play out in this flashback, so I, I really appreciated it. Jenna Pace... Hi, um, so Hi. 
There's a lot to unpack, as before. Um, one thing that wasn't commented on was um, there was a bit of an Inch of the Woods throwback in the flashback. Um, Mother Gothel being the witch with her garden and, like, oh, yeah. things. And as soon as I saw them, I'm like, Inch of the Woods? Okay, I did not expect that, but I am all here for it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like um, that. I didn't even catch yeah, that. Yeah, that's cool. So cool to, it's so cool to, like, see that, that little, like, twinge into something not quite Disney but still a little under the Disney umbrella. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um I'm sorry. Uh there so there's a lot to pat unpack about Rapunzel, Lady Tremaine. Um she's like one of the other one of the great villains like we've been introduced to on the show. Like Regina, Hook, Rumpel, where it's like you see um, and, and Dark Swan where they come from this place that's very sympathetic and they have these very sympathetic snapping points. And because you get to see that journey, it all makes sense. So you, so you don't, so you don't really, you can't excuse their crimes, but you can, you can understand them, and it makes these characters so compelling. Um, I also want to point out Drizella because they did a really good job strengthening this character and showing kind of um, what Rapunzel's influence in her life was. She's so because she was such a young child when um when Rapunzel was trapped in the tower that it makes sense that she kind of like that connection got severed and wasn't able to repair itself for so long and like she was so much closer to her stepmother and for a while her stepsister so that is cool and then later once the step uh, stepmother's gone once Anastasia's gone once basically Drizelle is left with nothing left but her. She's trying to redo that connection, but it's too late. Because of her negligence of Rapunzel, like, uh, Rapunzel was never playing favorites with the children, but when Drus- when she saw all those things from Drizella, the effects of that separation, it-, it just, she kind of felt that she had to make that decision. She made that decision. And it's like, no, you've been ignoring me for so long, fuck you. So... I think what they do with Drizella just in the background of this episode is just as impressive as what they did with Lady Tremaine. Um, I love the tangled imagery, the way the lanterns and the hair, not only the visuals, but just how they play their role in the story. I think that's, I think that it's cool. It's not just there for the sake of being there. They found a really clever, fun way of doing things. Also, I liked just the way that they did make Lady Tremaine a stepmother. Um, it was, like, kind of because she was gone for those few years, for those years, and Cinderella kind of came in that middle section, so all the parents were alive when it happened. I just thought I just thought that was a really interesting twist, like, the way that that happened. I kind of expected it to be, like, well, I, I of course we knew that Ella had a step, had, like, a stepfather, but... You kind of didn't... It's weird when Cecilia was still alive. Seeing that dynamic play out. Seeing, like, the two mothers interact. And you see, it's not a mean relationship until Rapunzel reaches, again, a very understandable snapping place and does her horrible crime. So, this was just... This was just a fantastic and compelling flashback for... Lady Tremaine, Drizella, um, Anastasia, who's just this kind daughter who, because of her age, is able to keep the connection. Um, Marcus, who's... 
odd, but you kind of can tell that he's grown to love for all of all his children and stepchildren equally, and definitely he's a bit of a doof, especially for not going back in the water and not even trying to get Anastasia out. But it it's nice kind of seeing that that stepchild against the real child thing has absolutely no bearing on him. So that I kind of find a little bit commendable in a, in, a, in an odd, twisted way. So yeah, those are my thoughts. I'm trying to remember. Wait, because I'm trying to remember from the Jacinda flashback. Isn't Marcus her stepfather? She she is. So okay. Stepchildren yeah. and the. Uh, oh yeah. Okay. And biological with um yeah. Yeah. With like Tremaine, uh, Rapunzel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The the whole the, her, that family tree is it's worse. I think I think wow. it's worse than the Henry tree. It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> That one's like a sequoia. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's great. <laughs> Vinny, what about you? So I generally agree with everything that's been said so far. However, I disagree with Jenna about Drizilla. I, I do have to give a differing opinion of that because I, I kind of felt like Drizilla going from what we've seen so far back to this I, I wanted more interaction with Rapunzel and Drizella to actually see the alienation being or taking place. Um, because in the episode, really, we, we see the one moment where she kind of walks away from T and that was it. I would have liked to see a little bit more because it. I feel like we're missing a gap of some other course of events to where Drizella makes that transition to wanting her mother's love so badly that she's, you know, willing to be a complete doormat up until, you know, she flips and, you know, the curse happens. Uh, I don't know. I just, there was something lacking in that storyline for me. And I really wanted to see a little bit more of a development of how she becomes the Drizella that we've seen so far. As far as Rapunzel, I think there were just one or two things that bothered me about it. Um, and we all know that I like I like to look at like the acting and the actors themselves. I think one of my biggest things that kind of hit me, like just like a glaring spotlight in my face, was Rapunzel's accent versus Victoria's. It was very oh, off. Yeah, you know, I actually I didn't even pick up on that. I was I was focusing so much on the fact that I felt like they didn't look that much alike. Oh, that too. That too. <laughs> I was like, like literally. Yeah. Yeah, it was that was the, the looking like that hit me first and then it wasn't until like halfway through the episode I was like, "Oh shit, that accent is like half there, half not there." Cuz Victoria's kind of like the upper crust like mm-hmm. snobby. "Hello, my name is Victoria." And Rapunzel was kind of like the girl, the maid trying to pass herself off as the I don't know, just the mm-hmm. they, the inflection was only slightly there. So I thought the acting that vocally was not there, so I kind of lost the connection between the two characters. And I, I, I actually, I can say thank you, Jenna, because you actually did touch a little bit on the gap that I was talking about with Drizella, and because I hadn't even thought about that as to how she would change around and suddenly become, you know, wanting the affection. But I do feel Drizella needed more development. I wanted to see more of that alienation. Rapunzel, I while I like the overall arc, one of the issues that I have is. She went from being this, like, I'm going to do everything for my family. I love my family. I want them to be happy. I want them to be safe. To 
someone who cracked under this this you know seeing her family it didn't correlate to me i would have liked to have seen her undergoing some kind of mental torture other than just loneliness and writing hash marks on a wall i feel like the exposition of what she experienced in the tower was not enough to justify the strong powerful mother we felt in the beginning of the episode with the almost completely fragile desperate for love obsessive woman that she became uh when she finally used that mushroom it just didn't really resonate that she would so easily crack and i can understand why she did i'm not saying that it's wrong i just feel like there wasn't enough of a foundation with what we had seen to justify her going so far as to do something which she didn't know the consequences of just because of that birthday party being a breaking point. I would have liked to have seen something like them all going on a vacation together and Cecilia coming back and being like, oh, be a good dear and watch the house. We'll see you when we get back or something a little bit more insulting. Uh, other than that, I definitely love Gothel. Because of the simple fact that this was the first episode that made me question whether or not Gothel is truly a villain or she is someone akin to Rumple who has a bad past but is actually now seeking to do something by finding this guardian. It was really interesting to have the hint dropped chronologically that Gothel was looking for this guardian long before at least it seems long before Rumpelstiltskin was doing so, because we don't know if she had met him before she met Rapunzel. But I took it as back when Victoria was Rapunzel, Gothel was looking for this guardian person for a very long time. So I'm curious as to why she's looking for the guardian, where that's going to take us. Are we going to find out that Gothel has a tragic history and she's trying to find someone to handle the darkness? So that's a really interesting thread going into probably the latter half of the season. I said we'll get her. They said we'll get her story. But those are my thoughts. Yeah, that's really interesting. I agree with everybody as well. I really enjoyed the flashback. I get that the flashbacks sometimes are rushed. I mean, it's 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 a difficult thing. You have to balance the present day stuff and the flashbacks, and you have to try to like make sure that the flashbacks don't drag. And so sometimes it does seem like the flashbacks are on fast forward, or they try to cram in so much information into a flashback that it just seems like a lot. But, I still kind of liked it. I found uh, Rapunzel very sympathetic. I completely understood why she was doing what she was doing. As I mentioned earlier, it's kind of like the Once Upon a Time trope of family. Like She wants her family together. And while she did the wrong thing, she felt like she was doing the right thing. She felt justified. You know, she was trying to piece back her family together because that's what she wanted to do when she was trapped in that tower. I mean, she we started off the episode with her, you know, trying to keep her family alive, you know, by finding some food and uh, to help her sick husband. And then, uh, bam, six years later, he's remarried. And... Uh, that whole situation I thought was very well done because it was surprising and uh, a unique sort of twist. And uh, I, I never really, I guess, put it into mind like how Lady Tremaine would have met Marcus. But uh, I, I liked what they did with it. I'm still confused about Mother Gothel 
because initially it seemed like they were going to go full uh, Black Fairy on her, and that she was going to be a, like, villain just to be a villain, and uh, then, I don't know, with, I don't know, I, I guess we'll have to wait and see. It's funny because uh, earlier I was like, like, who's going to be the rumple? Like, who's going to be the rumple of the show? And it does seem like Mother Gothel is sort of like the rumple of uh, this new uh, realm of the magical forest. Initially, I thought it was going to be Alice, but when we saw Alice, when uh, Rumple like, ran into her, she didn't really seem all that dark one-ish, although she did seem kind of dark one-ish when um she like kidnapped henry in the premiere but that's the only sort of like inkling or like the little tidbit that we got of her seeming like she was otherworldly so maybe gothel will be sort of like the rumple of uh this new magical forest so um Overall, I, I thought it was a really strong flashback, and uh, it, it did give us a lot of answers. It left us with a lot of questions, but I, I feel like at some point in the future, we're going to get a Drizella flashback. We will get a, a Gothel flashback that will explain a lot more about like their motivations and where like the change happened with Drizella. At least I think so. You know what's interesting? I just realized something. The parallel between why Victoria hates Ella and why Regina hated Snow White. Children in circumstances that they had no control over causing the adult to hold a grudge. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god, that's good. That's At least true. it wasn't a secret. Yeah, I'm right? just saying. <laughs> true. <laughs> <laughs> like this but it made sense. Makes like Ella more. You sympathize with her a lot more, and that kind of makes mm. Victoria, you know, a little bit more. I don't know if the psychotic's the right word. Sociopathic, maybe, in her course to like bring the family together and screw everybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think it gives both of them. It makes both of them sympathetic in their own kind of different way, which makes. It for a really interesting twist, which I liked. It's like, you know, like no one... Well, Marcus was in the wrong. I was going to say no one was in the wrong. As far <laughs> as like those that are alive, none of them were really in the wrong. It, it was just a horrible situation. And unfortunately, because of everything that Rapunzel you know, was trying to do before that, you know, making sure her family's together, you know, she immediately, you know, she placed the blame on the person that, uh, you know, I guess she felt uh, was the cause of it, and it just spiraled out of control. Yep. So let's get into present day Storybrooke U.S., not Storybrooke, oh gosh, <laughs> that's what, that was like my old transition, remember Katie? <laughs> Yes, exactly. For some reason, so I fell into that. In I know we are. Okay. <laughs> so let's get into present-day Hyperion Heights, USA. And uh, all right. Uh, I feel like we need to start at the beginning, and we need to discuss that really fascinating scene that uh, ended up becoming sneak-peeked. So, uh, okay. So... Uh, 
Victoria is, uh, you know, talking with Ivy, and Ivy basically is like, you know, I, Mother, I want you to give up your plan to revive Anastasia, and obviously Victoria is, is not trying to have any of it. And so, after that conversation, Victoria ends up chatting with Weaver, and basically Victoria confesses that uh, her talking to Ivy was a bit of a pretext, because she wanted to chat with him and um she's like you know let's cut the bs you know rumpelstiltskin guardian this that or the other like i know it you know it i know you know all this stuff and, and uh, weaver is still doing what he did with ronnie like oh you know you're speaking mumbo jumbo gibberish to me like i don't know what you're saying tremaine and so finally she's like you know i know how you can get to the guardian i know that's what you're searching for i've done extensive research on it i will give you all of my findings if you help me basically and it appeared as if weaver was ready to cuff her and take her back but he doesn't and so uh, he makes a deal with her to basically wake up Anastasia and uh, that, uh, or at least help her wake up or Anastasia, you know, get her out of jail and that kind of thing so that she can do that and he'll get all the Guardian information. And he also acknowledges her as Rapunzel. Burm, burm, burm. So now they both know that each other is awake and that kind of thing. So I want to pause right here because they did release this as a sneak peek. I don't know if any of you saw the sneak peek. I feel like at least one or two of you did. So what did you think of this scene? And did you like that this twist was sort of ruined by the sneak peek? Hmm. That's a good question. I mean, I actually did not look at the sneak peek, sneak peek at sneak all. Sneak peek. <laughs> but I, I follow lots of Once Upon a Time people, and they said, you know, they talked about the sneak peek, and so I knew. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence about whether... I like that they release it or not. I mean, on one side, you know, there's a lot of fans who don't watch sneak peeks. But on the other side, the, the people who actually would watch the sneak peeks are going to be the ones who are online and active in the fandom and looking for them. So, I don't know. I don't, I don't really know. I feel like that was a really big... Reveal, that was a huge almost. reveal. Was huge. I was, yeah. I was shocked, shocked, I mean, I shocked, shocked that they revealed I mean, that in a sneak peek. Like I, I was, I was like, what? They're trying to. I mean, I understand. They have not been releasing a lot of sneak peeks this season. They've only been releasing maybe one for an episode, and this is coming off of two or how many weeks was it we're off like two or technically three. two fridays but it's three weeks two. okay so three weeks of not having an episode so 
I mean, I understand why they did it to get people to watch the episode, but on the other side, it could have an opposite effect where people are like, oh, well, I'm not interested in that, so I'm just not going to watch the episode. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I'm kind of leaning towards maybe they shouldn't have revealed it in the sneak peek, but, I mean, seeing that the ratings really didn't change, it didn't really have an effect on if people watched or not, in my opinion, so, I don't know. I mean, this scene, but getting away from that, the scene was very interesting in it, in and of itself. Um, I just, I love, I've always loved Rumpel's dynamic with other villains. And this one doesn't disappoint because I, I have been very curious about their involvement with one, one another. I cannot talk tonight. With one another... Um, and just to see these different scenes with them, um, is very interesting to me and, uh, to see them kind of power playing each other, I guess you could say, um, and then see, uh, have Lady Tremaine here, uh, Victoria, throw this, this, um, big piece of information at him that, well, I know or I have information about the Guardian, and that really piques his interest. And I also liked how she brought up Belle, um, because she gets to the heart of things, she knows where to hit him, where it hurts, and how she's going to get him to his side. Um, so I just, I really like the dynamic that Rumple has with other villains, and this one didn't disappoint, in my opinion. So, yeah. All right. Just to echo what you were saying, Katie, about the sneak peek. Mm-hmm. The only thing that I think allows them to somewhat, or at least allows me to somewhat understand why they released it, is because it was kind of like the first scene. So Yeah, that's true. It was. And that's usually what they do, is release the first, at least scenes from the first five or ten minutes yeah ten minutes so that so. made me kind of okay with it as i watched the episode because i'm like okay that reveal was like very early in the episode so i'm like cool with that like if they would have released like the end then that would have been like like really like what are y'all trying yeah, to do yeah. <laughs> so that made me kind of understand why they did it although i still feel like it was such a um a, a, a like theorized type of thing that they should have like cut it off like right before he said you know all right we've got to deal Rapunzel or something like that that's what I think but um yeah the reveal was cool though like I liked it just because I said it so that was awesome and uh, I don't know if anyone in the fandom had said it before I said it but I love that I said it damn it and so I'm giving myself a pat on the back if you if you can't hear it. Pat, pat, pat. Um, I did. Like, it just made the most sense. And I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. This new book, this new realm that we are visiting, it seems to be a realm that's focused on the Cinderella, Rapunzel, and Tiana story. So, I've said this before, and I will say this again, I feel like at some point, Dr. Facilier will come back and he'll get into the mix as well, uh, as a villain. Maybe he'll team up with Gothel, maybe he already has teamed up with Gothel. It just makes sense, because those are like the three, uh, 
well, Lady Tremaine. Well, Rapunzel is, 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 yeah, I guess Rapunzel technically is a Disney princess, although she isn't a princess on uh, this show, in this iteration. But those three are like the Disney princesses. And, and so it makes sense if their villains would sort of team up together, or at least, you know, the villains sort of like know each other, and, and maybe they've sort of med- meddled in the mess. And, and if we recall back to the Tiana story, Facilier was sort of in between both worlds, and then he got freed, so now he's back, I guess, in the the, the living plane, and uh, he did say that he would uh, see Tiana again to, I guess, enact some revenge, so I guess we'll have to wait and see for that. Uh, what about uh, Vinny and, and Jenna? Do you two have any thoughts on the reveal, uh, the sneak peek, yeah. and that kind of thing? It sounds like Vinny wants to chat. Go ahead, Vinny. (laughs) No, I definitely think that they should have waited. It was kind of the foundation and cornerstone of the entire episode. So it really... I was excited because I had been leaning towards thinking that she was Rapunzel as well. But it did kind of take some of the wind out of the sails for the episode. Um, The only way that it didn't is I was still drawn the moment that I found out. I was like, all right, this bitch is Rapunzel. I want to find how the hell they're going to spin that. So... There was still an attraction to watch in the episode, even knowing that she was Rapunzel, is finding how they make that connection. I, I, I think I agree with you, Jeff, where it, right when he was about to say her name, I think they should have saved that and just cut off and say, I think you've got a deal, and then fade out and let us all wait until the episode happened to actually get that last bit, because I think it would have been much mm-hmm. more impactful uh, if it happened at that point, since that was, again, like what that entire episode was about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sure. But that scene in the jail cell, I loved it. I absolutely loved the humanizing shot of Virginia, or Virginia, listen to me, Victoria's slit wrist scars showing how deeply vulnerable she had been at one point in time, probably in the tower. Um, you know, I guess that kind of contradicts a little bit of what I said before because, you know, those actually did kind of speak, okay, she obviously went through something but I, I'm still not sure if those scars are from when she was in the tower, after, or later in life. Um, but it was just interesting to see Victoria so defeated, but yet so determined. It was one of the first peaks in the episode, and I think actually one of the only peaks in the episode in the modern day interactions, that she actually did connect with the character of Rapunzel in the past, because you saw someone beaten down and out, but still finding that will to fight. I like that. That was eloquently put, Vinny Hatcher. Don't Thank the you. question though. Don't the scars um when in the very beginning of the flashbacks when the witch oh, wraps yeah. those vines around her and they like puncture? It. Yeah. I couldn't oh, remember oh, okay. about that. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think okay, that's it. Okay, she's not least. human. She's a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Leave her alone. Leave Victoria alone. No, no, you gotta say, leave Victoria alone. I know. Poor Virginia. Poor Virginia, yeah. (laughs) Jenna, what are your thoughts on Virginia? Virginia. Um, So, I actually have... It's a great state. Something that came to my mind um, that was brought up that... uh, Basically, um, this is the first time that a Disney princess has ever been the villain. Because now that... And maybe that's a reason why they decided to reveal her name. Like, oh my god, a Disney princess is a villain? What? 
And then, like, that's the only reason I can think of why they revealed it, but I also agree they shouldn't have, like, revealed that in the promo. It should have been treated like, um, do you guys remember A Pirate's Life where it's kind of like they cut her, they cut Emma off before she revealed to Henry that she's pregnant? Yeah. And yet we yeah. kind of all guess it, but at the same time, it's kind of like, just in taste, you don't reveal that stuff. Maybe they were high on, like, the tryptophan of the turkey. Still. <laughs> Maybe. Um, I I agree with everybody. I think that that was a cool scene. Um, I I agree, especially with Katie, because seeing Rumple interact with these other villains, you kind of just see how weak he is and like vulnerable to his own darkness without Belle. Where it's like he wouldn't listen to Ronnie, but because Victoria has this light advantage over almost a lifelong friend, he's going to go with her. He's going to go with Victoria, somebody who she who he knows is kind of out for danger, out for blood, and she's go and he's going to go with her. So it shows, and later on, I feel like you see the consequences of that and kind of more development into that. Just for as vulnerable as Lady Tremaine come, Victoria comes off in this scene. Rumple, Rumple kind of ends up being just as vulnerable. Just. His vulnerability gets to be masked by his profession, it, by his by the current power dynamic. But even still, you kind of get to see that power dynamic clashed. The prisoner versus the versus the one in charge. Almost a little similar to Regina and Rumpel when uh, Rumpel was Regina's prisoner and so on and so on and so forth. So that was a cool contrast. Um, I didn't even think about the wrist scars until you guys brought it up, but... That is cool to see how the mighty have fallen. So, uh, just overall, that was a really cool scene. And um, there was there was a really good line where um, Rumpel's talking about like not ha- not having a fun chat with your daughter, and Lady Shemaine says, "Not since she was four. And that was just funny. I love when I love when the show gets really snippy. It has some of the best character moments. Like, I think that's why a lot of us love Regina, because she's always going for these sassy lines. So, yeah. Those are my thoughts. I like them. Thank you. You're welcome. I approve. Alright, let's continue on with the story. And, uh, you know what? Let's focus on Weaver. Wait, can I just say as an aside, I hate that she has three names now. I hate that it's Rapunzel. Lady Tremaine and Victoria <laughs> Belfry. Like, Gothel has three names too. Gothel has three names. No, on the casting list, like uh, it's Gothel, um, the witch, and yep. Eloise Gardner. Oh, Eloise Gardner. That oh, is true. Right. Although I don't really see as the witch as like a name. That was just like, yeah. To me, it was like a code name so that we didn't, even though yeah. everyone knew she was another Gothel. Yeah. Yeah, but I hate, and now she's Virginia too. Say it. So now she has four names, <laughs> at least on this podcast. Eventually, she's going to be like Prince and just have a symbol. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> a broken heart. Or a poisoned heart. Oh. A mushroom. Yes. All right. An- a bedazzled mushroom. <laughs> yeah. It, it, that mushroom had some sort of disease. It's although it just looked weird. Like, I, yeah. I would wash my hands, like, just touching it. I know, right? But it's like, 
I don't know. Like, whenever they do stuff with that kind of thing, I'm like, shouldn't just touching it, like, wouldn't you also be poison? Like, I'm, that's so confusing. I guess well, you need the essence. The juice. Like, I've never seen a mushroom get squeezed, like, fresh squeezed mushroom juice. Get it for five cents. And <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh my God. Although, I feel like that's probably like in a hole somewhere. I can almost get behind the juice because it's Wonderland, so of course it's going to be weird. I guess the bedazzling was just, I don't know. Mushroom pox. It's, yeah, <laughs> I'm not mad. That's why it's poison. A, mushroom, a bedazzled mushroom purse. You should get one, Jenna. <laughs> For Christmas. Now. There you go. Yes. Last minute Christmas ideas. I know. <laughs> you can get one from, like, the Super Mario store. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Burp, 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 burp. All right. So, moving on with Weaver. Okay, so Weaver releases Victoria, and Rogers is not down for the cause. And so he starts doing some digging of his own, which leads him into the, um, I guess it's the evidence room, right? Is what we what we call it. it. That's what it seemed like the first mm-hmm. time that we saw it. And so... Uh, he ends up finding, like, all of this information that Weaver has been collecting on everyone in Hyperion Heights. Or at least it appears like it's on everyone of, our, of Hyperion Heights, all the residents. Including Rogers. And so after chatting with Sabine, Rogers learns that Sabine had once been uh, confronted by Weaver in regards to the dagger. And so uh, Rogers basically confronts Weaver, you know, demanding answers. Like, why does he have this collection of information? Like, what what is he doing? You know, I used to think you were, like, the best cop, you know, role model. And, like, now I don't know if you're a crooked cop or if, you know, what the hell are you doing, basically? And so he explains that he's doing all of this because he needs to find Belle. And uh, Rogers sympathizes and empathizes with Weaver and ends up agreeing to help him in his quest. So, Weaver and Rogers in this episode, what did you think of their storyline? Jenna? Thank you, thank you, thank you for letting me go, because, um... I saw your hand, you know, you raised your hand. Waving in the back here. You're like, me, Um, me, me! (laughs) Okay, so I definitely want to touch upon the Weaver Rogers scene at the end, because that's, like, one of my... That might be one of my favorite scenes of this entire season. But, uh, first, let's kind of, like, take a look at the Rogers stuff. Um, you didn't point it out, but the, uh, the food truck now has a name, the Roland Bayou. It's really cute. I I love that. I like it. The, the 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 lettering is really pretty. The the yellow color is nice. Um, it's interesting to see that is the way that they brought the dagger onto the show by having it involved in the fire. So and because Victoria is kind of the one who set up that fire, was she kind of meaning to draw Rumpel out of hiding through that way, kind of almost as a symbol of power, like because she because she had that and almost because she gave it away so willingly, like. Yeah, this little knife isn't going to do a thing to me. You may as well have it back. Yeah, I know you're... Yeah, 
I know you're probably awake, and even if you're not, this isn't going to mean a lot to you, but if you are, just know, I got the power! Um, Snap! <laughs> I love it. Um, so That was I, amazing. I like the build-up to that scene at the end. Like, you see, uh, both with Rogers, uh, like, investigating and finding out more information about how Odd Weaver is, going into the evidence room, seeing his... Seeing his hook, I mean, of course he has no reaction because he's not awake. Yeah, that was funny, though, in my mind. It, oh, it was. And seeing all the, like those files, it's creepy. And I'm sad that we didn't get to see a Tilly file, but I also kind of... It's probably there. Maybe I, I would have liked to see that as almost a rage point for him, especially because of how angry he is at the end of the episode. Um, and then also you see Rumpel's conflict with um, trying to work with Victoria and trying to talk down Ivy and Gothel, and trying to talk down Lady Tremaine, but failing and kind of inadvertently putting Lucy in danger, and you see just, like, he see it, he, it's almost like he's given another showing of going down these dark paths and doing the wrong thing, even for the right reasons, is going to punish you. It's kind of like the lesson that Elle probably would have learned had she killed that shoemaker in epi- uh, in the Garden of Forking Paths. So, it's good to see the reinforcement of that lesson, and I'm glad to see that while Rumpel is de- while Rumpel is trying to do better, he it's not like these te- it's not like these old habits are completely gone. He's still He's still in a vulnerable position because the person who helped him, the people who helped him cling to his morality, they're not here. So he has to kind of do it on his own. And because of that, it's going to make sense. He's naturally going to have some weak points. So at the end of the episode, by the end of the episode, he's kind of real. He's kind of realized that. So he decides to take a chance and be vulnerable with someone who he knows is trying to do the, is trying to do the right thing. Somebody who it's so much harder to do the right thing with Rogers because Rogers isn't awake and he kind of has to try a more moral approach that doesn't, that he's not comfortable with and it's harder. It's going to take longer, but he also realizes that this is the right thing to do. And yeah, because it's not, it's not just as much um, him asking Rogers for help. Rogers was asking him to help. Like, let me help you. And the hardest thing probably was Roger saying, yeah, and not, and, and telling him in the bet, the only way he really could about bell mm-hmm. giving, giving him that in. And I think that makes their dynamic just so impressive. So cool. Like because, um, Rumple and Killian complement each other so well with the, willing to do whatever it takes aside with Rumpel and um, Killian's more honorable code-based system, these two, if they're, like, if they're working together under the best circumstances, could probably accomplish a lot together. And now that they are working together, I think we're going to finally see the fruit of that product. So, yeah, that whole scene was just so exciting. The acting was phenomenal. Phen- phenomenal. Just... It's, it was Katie, vulnerable. you're infecting our co-hosts. I know, I know I'm so Katie. sorry. Gosh darn it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> just the vulnerability on Robert Carlyle's part was just great. 
So I'm, so yeah, that was just a fantastic scene. That whole, that, that whole mini plot was just, it was cool. It was the, so much of that episode built up to that fight, to that scene between them. And yeah, it built up to that moment where the two connect and there's so much weird odd tape that they are able to make this connection and now we can we can go forward a little bit on a bit of a better foot because despite some odd circumstances and, and despite some odd tension there's finally trust going forward definitely yeah all right so Vinny, what about you I agree about the vulnerability. You could definitely tell that Rumple was resisting the urge in that interaction where he told Hook the truth to not tell him the truth, especially because this is someone that he has had such a confrontational relationship, and I think conflicted would be an understatement as it's far as... It's not the same, Hook! Exactly. <laughs> well, let me... Still, Mila died in both instances. Exactly. Oh so, my gosh. <laughs> Quiet, Mila Militia. <laughs> Mila Militia forever! My awesome. lord. Uh, oh. Maybe uh, Rumpel will give uh, Wishhook True Love's kiss, and that's how he will wake right. up. There you go. <laughs> With lots of juicy tongue. Uh, juicy. Anyway. Woo! Woo! <laughs> no, I liked that aspect. However, I just... I don't know. I felt like Hook... They had built up this suspicion and this almost dislike and distrust of Weaver on Roger's part so intensely that I just didn't buy him buying into what Rumpel was feeding him so easily when he's like, I believe you. It just, I don't know. I, that, that was a little bit much for me. I'm not going to lie. That was like very fast as well. Yeah. Just because yeah. he seemed, at least throughout the previous few episodes like he seemed very strong in his convictions yeah. and like to all of a sudden be like oh really it's just that all right i'm down for the cause it's cool bro fist pump you know that that's what it kind of i don't know and i'm almost wondering if rogers agreed and we're gonna find out that he's agreeing kind of out of hoping you know keeping your enemy closer than your friend kind of thing but we'll see um but no i i other than that like rumples just battle to like i could lie to him i could lie to him but it's just going to make him do it even more so i'm going to try to tell him some kind of truth you could see it playing on the actor's face you could feel it uh rogers on the other hand i'm i'm, I'm hoping that it wasn't genuine and that there is him wanting to find out more especially because of that folder of you know files on everybody if i found something like that and i confronted somebody and they're like oh dude i'm just trying to find my wife i'd be like well why does that mean that you need to have papers and files on everyone <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> that is a legitimate point that yeah. you can consider <laughs> but finally the hook thing was hilarious when he actually found it just the look in his face like what the hell is this I love this show <laughs> yeah <laughs> Katie oh well I don't have that much more to add that hasn't already been going Oh my gosh! That already hasn't been. This is going over. into like grammar and linguistical hell. Katie, Katie, we're at the threshold of hell. There you go. Um, I 
I wanted to comment the same thing that Benny did, that I felt that it was kind of really fast. And it kind of was like, oh, okay, he just believes him. But, I mean, I know that the show has a tendency to do that at times. So I just kind of put it to the side. And I will say that I am excited to see where the relationship goes from here. Because they've always been, even though this is a different hook, they always have interesting dynamics for the two of them. And so I'm kind of excited to see where it goes from here with them working together. Um, So, I don't know. I mean, I don't have much else to add except that I'm excited to see where it goes. So, there you go. Well, there you go. I like their dynamic as well, just because it is different than what we're sort of used to with a a, um, a Rumple and a Hook character. So I'm curious to see like what their dynamic was uh, in the Magical Forest, because it has to be different, I would think. I'm sure we'll see them at some point. I don't know if necessarily I need to see them teaming up, but but at least meeting, so that uh, Rumpel we get confirmation. I should say that Rumpel uh, 100% knows that he's not the same Hook, and the treasure trove of information. Like I loved it. Like it just made so much sense. Like if the whole concept of the curse is that. Like, you know, the uh, the city's getting gentrified, and these magical characters are um, getting sort of, like, pushed out. So, of course, you know, they have to, or I should say, they, meaning someone, has to, like, try to keep track of all these people. So that if at the end of it all, if they need to, like, get all these people to not only wake up but to team up to take down the big bad then uh, you know there has to be sort of like this this like you know this list of individuals and you know these files on who they are you know what they're doing where do they live and, and that kind of thing so i kind of i like that a lot it just made sense and uh, obviously since we found out that rumple is awake it made the most sense for him to be the one sort of like gathering all this information, especially if he's trying to find the Guardian, he's got to gather the most information that he can on uh, these uh, magical forest people. So, continuing on with Victoria. So, Victoria ends up visiting Jacinda upon her release, and... uh, much to Jacinda's surprise, Victoria ends up giving full custody to Jacinda. And uh, she ends up explaining that, uh, like, the whole reason for, like, why she tried to get custody of Jacinda, it was kind of, not custody of Jacinda, custody of Lucy from Jacinda, it was like a test. And uh, she thought Jacinda was going to pass the test, but it turns out that she failed, and so this, that, or the other. But now she's seen that, like, Jacinda has grown and all this kind of stuff. So full custody, you know, Victoria won't fight for it and all that kind of stuff. So it seems as if there's a happy ending for Jacinda and Lucia, at least when it comes to the custody of it all. And so she claims that she's changed after jail and all that kind of stuff. 
So, later on, we see that Victoria has has set up surveillance or has surveillance on Jacinda and, and Nick, who stopped by to uh, verify that the custody papers are authentic. And so uh, she, you know, we end up seeing that Jacinda and Nick end up sharing a kiss. And so we're going to put a bookmark on that because that comes back later. Victoria then's, then ends up teaming up with Weaver to find Henry's original Once Upon a Time story book. And uh, Ivy and Eloise are also after the book. But uh, Victoria ends up gaining the upper hand in, uh, um, you know, swiping the book, finding the book, and, and taking it directly to Lucy. And let's pause right here, just because there's a lot to break down at the end of it all. So uh, let's discuss Victoria, Lucy, and Jacinda, and uh, Jacinda, Nick, and the story book. That's not in story Brook. Right, Katie? <laughs> exactly. Yes. Say that five times fast. I know. Well, that was a huge thing <laughs> in previous seasons. Yes. Yeah. So, I guess eeny, meeny, miny, Katie, you can go first. Okay. Well, I honestly was not expecting uh, Victoria to just give up rights, um, give up her rights and allow Jacinda to have full rights to Lucy. I actually was not expecting that. Um, so that was kind of a surprise. I mean, we, we know she had an ulterior motive, but it did kind of take me first for a surprise. Um, but uh, I, I'm so conflicted about Nick because he's so attractive, but... She needs to be with Henry. Go away, Nick. You can find someone else. <laughs> um, but, I mean, for now, he seems like he has, you know, good motives. I mean, obviously, he's cursed, and he be they believe that he's Lucy's father. Um, but, obviously, Henry is meant to be with her, and it's going to be interesting to see how she gets back back with Henry. Katie, he's um, the Catherine. Nobody wants to be the Catherine. No one wants to be the Catherine, I know. But, uh, it's still going to be interesting. Um, otherwise, just commenting on the throwback and bringing back the, uh, the original book, I, I loved that, because I wasn't expecting that either. When she kind of pulled that out of the bag, I was like, <gasps> What a callback. It was a great callback. Um, and I really didn't know what her motives were there either. Um, I don't know. I just, I feel like there were a lot of good plot, plot twists with Victoria, specifically in the uh, modern day, ha present day happenings, I guess you can say, um, in this episode. Because... 
first of all, you know, I wasn't expecting her to give up rights to Lucy. And then I wasn't expecting this, you know, bringing back of the book and what her motives were surrounding that. So I, I really liked her character arc, not only in the flashbacks, but in the present day Hyperion Heights um, happenings as well, because I really didn't know what was going to happen next. So I can appreciate that. All right. Jenna Pace, what about you? So, um, so far in the episode, I think, I don't know why, but I wasn't expecting, like, Victoria's first stop out of prison to be to Jacinda and Lucy. And it definitely was an odd stop because you figure, oh, hey, she's free. She should obviously just go right for Anastasia. Anna, you know, given the weird pronunciation and how nobody can agree on it, I'm just going to call her Anna. Okay? There you go. Or she could have gone to Mr. Clucks. I'm sure she was hungry because prison food, I'm assuming, is probably no bueno. Probably, but at that point she figured, you know... Uh, Jacinda got, Jacinda's got fired and such, no point of it. And then she can, and she can go eat anywhere else. She's got money. And then I wonder, it might probably, it would also be really hard for her to get custody of Lucy back because... She's a jailbird. She's a kidnapper. Yeah, she's a kidnapper. (laughs) I know it's probably like, I know like legally they probably cleared things up, but still it probably would at least raise a few eyebrows if she was suddenly going for custody immediately and going through all these weird hoops. They'd be like, hey, yeah, you just got out of jail. Let's chill out for a bit. Anyways, um, so yeah, I just think it was really clever. It was, it's just so, and it was so nice to see Henry's storybook again. It's just a nice callback. I I think it's been like a couple of episodes since we saw something like that. Like, maybe when we first saw Rumpel's dagger appear uh, back in episode 7 a, a couple of episodes ago. So it's nice to see, like, some things from the old series popping up, too. Especially something that's as classic and iconic as Henry's original storybook. I wonder if he's going to run into that and what he's going to think when he sees it. Like, inevitably. Um, Jacinda and Nick. Uh... The scene obviously gets a lot sadder later on in the episode when it's seen from a different point of view. But yeah, it kind of makes me wonder what they're going to do with the relationship. Henry's not there, and while Jacinda definitely likes him, out of sight, eventual, out of mind. And especially because now that Nick's in the picture, now that Nick is Lucy's father, he's going to be showing up a lot more in their lives, probably. So... Yeah, out of sight, eventual out of mind. It depends on when um, when everybody gets back to Hyperion Heights. Could be too late. They could be really close. And the next time Henry see- runs into Jacinda and Nick is when he's giving them a swift ride. Wow. Jenna took oh. it to a dark place. I did. Although I think we brought it to that dark place in the last episode. Anyways. Uh, yeah, so we'll see how that goes. And then... Yeah, don't know what Nick's motives are either. I don't think he's evil. I think it's going to... I don't know. I feel like we're heading towards weird love triangle. I guess the Catherine Nolan thing. But I like Catherine Nolan, so... Unpopular me. I'm also part of the Mila militia. <laughs> <laughs> Much to Jeff's ever... Chagrin. Love. He loves it. It's disturbing. <laughs> Vinny. Not a- oh. I, the storybook, I loved seeing it because it was like going back to Storybrooke and all the previous seasons, but 
I was curious why it wasn't Lucy's storybook. Mm. Because I don't think we've actually really seen her storybook that she held in the finale and in the very beginning oh, of yeah. the season. Yeah. We saw and, last episode. I, oh, did we? Yeah, when, Hen- okay. yeah, when Henry's visiting Lucy in the foster care thing, he brings her her copy of the book. Oh, okay. No! Isn't that Henry's book? Like, Henry, the author's book? Like, Henry, not the author. Well, Mm -hmm. all of... uh, Because of the terminology on the show. Henry's book that he wrote in the non-magical world. So we haven't seen the book that we saw in their realm that we saw in the two-hour season six finale. Because it's different than Henry's storybook. Because mm-hmm. I've always been curious if her book, if she somehow became the new author at some point or something, mm-hmm. um, because her book seemed to have they they gave it like magical connotations. But we can get into that later when the book resurfaces later in the season, because that's a whole nother ballpark. But I, I love seeing the book come back because even though it wasn't Lucy's book, I think Victoria having his book just the moment that Lucy saw that was like, oh God. I am right. It's someone knows and is admitting it to me mm-hmm. and it held more weight. Uh, the custody battle thing. I don't know if I'm the only one who thought this, but later in the episode, when we saw what happened to Lucy, I called back and I thought, man, she was just cutting the financial responsibility of someone in a coma. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's, it, wow. just, it totally fits with Victoria's personality. Like, I don't give two shits about you. And now that I no longer need you as leverage, I'm cutting all of my ties to you under the mask of giving Jacinda what she wanted so she's distracted with happiness. And then I'm going to kick her when she's de- when she's up and bring her down. I'm going to Nancy Kerrigan her by knocking out her daughter, bringing mine back. You, know? you mean it, uh, Tanya Harding her? Well, yeah, exactly. Sorry. I, Tanya. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Now in theaters. (laughs) Right. It was just an interesting thread that I followed back after the end of the episode. Uh, And I, I, Katie, you're not alone. I would totally climb Nick's beanstalk, just going to say, and go up there and kiss him, (laughs) just like Jacinda did, because I loved him on the originals. And so far, I still am very wary. Like, part of me is almost wondering if he's going to be somebody, like, under Dr. Facilier's control or kind of like that frog was. Yeah. Nick is a frog. Right? (laughs) I don't know. I I still, I I feel like there's something there with Nick because in the scene where they kissed, it was almost like, I didn't want to do this, but I I know I'm doing bad because she should be with Henry. I, I, I could almost kind of, like, get that vibe, like someone under pressure to do what was done. I don't know. I might be reading too much into it, but I definitely still, the verdict is out on him other than the sexiness, which is that verdict is definitely in, but character-wise, it's I, I got my eye on him, and I am because I want more exposition on his backstory, because I still feel like there's going to be an aha moment at some point where he does something bad or under pressure. Okay. That's interesting. I'm still hoping that he isn't bad, but I do like the idea that he's under Dr. Facilier's control. Cause I feel like he has to come back and he's going to yeah. come back in a surprising way. So oh, totally. 
Yeah, so I guess we'll have to wait and see on that. Victoria giving custody. I mean, I agree with everybody. That was a surprise. And uh, her spying on people wasn't a surprise because I feel like we've seen her spying on people before. She like seems to know everything. So that uh, wasn't that surprising. But the quest for the storybook was really interesting. And uh, I do agree that we should have seen the other storybook. I think that would have been a little bit more appropriate. But we didn't. So I guess maybe we'll see it in the future. So now, let's get into what I think everybody wants to talk about. So we're in the hospital, and uh, Victoria ends up showing Lucy her family's life story. And uh, she, um, she starts, like, you know, basically telling Lucy that happy endings don't happen, that her life you know, didn't have a happy ending, and uh, she's trying to, like, pull at Lucy's heartstrings a bit, and uh, besides, like, telling her about herself and showing her the book, like, proving that that magic is real and all that kind of stuff, she ends up showing her video footage of Jacinda and Nick kissing, and she also tells her that Henry and Ronnie left town. And she ends up, like, spitting that into that, you know, Henry has, like, given up on Lucy, that he doesn't care for her, and all that kind of stuff. And so it, um, it makes Lucy question her belief in happy endings, which has her to start to cry. And so uh, Victoria ends up collecting one of Lucy's tears and she uses it on Anastasia and it has Anastasia wake up. And so uh, in another part of town, because I guess Lucy like ran her ass home, because that was right. fast. I know. She was like, I'm she crying, but I'm running. She got a Swift. Yeah. Well, she gets the discount, family discount. Yeah. And so somehow Lucy made it home. Either Lucy walks very fast or Victoria moves very slowly because like they cut between like them. And like we did see Lucy like walking the streets crying, but then all of a sudden she was home. So anyway, so she's home and like, Immediately, like, at the moment Anastasia wakes up, Lucy collapses to the ground, freaking Jacinda out, and uh, Victoria, Lady Tremaine, Rapunzel, Virginia, reunites with an awakened Anastasia, Anna, if you're Jenna, and uh, we see that Ivy is watching from afar and as she turns to walk away we see a a crushed look on her face and she starts to weep as well fade to black so let's break all this down Vinny. let's go yeah uh sleeping curse just gonna say 
dip, dip, dip. Oh. <laughs> because I know we talked about that last, I think it was last week we talked about it. The return uh, of the sleeping curse. Yes, it was literally like, when I when she woke up, and I, I it, it was kind of one of those, like, I don't know if you guys have ever seen this slow motion video where it's like, no. And that's how I watched Lucy fall to the ground, and that's all I heard in my mind was not the sleeping curse again. Oh no, it's, but, it's Henry uh, eating the poison turnover. Yes, exactly. It's it's Henry eating the poison turnover, bred with the charming and snow curse in season six. Was it when the evil queen did it and they couldn't be mm-hmm. awake at the same time? Yeah, uh, so <laughs> she's like, got to follow in the family's footsteps. She does. She definitely does. I just if once upon a time was a like a, a child telling a story, this is the part where you would just pat them on the head and be like, "Yep, that's a really good story." Yeah, but. <laughs> <laughs> I still enjoyed it. Like it, it's kind of like Katie said, this show. Like I love it, but at the same time, sometimes you just gotta accept that certain things are gonna happen. And you know, I, I still, Drusilla threw me in that final scene because I thought she was after waking up Anastasia to do something or get something from her. So I half expected to see her walking away with like a shit eating grin in her face because she's about to pull the plug out of from under her mother or the rug, not the plug. <laughs> oh, Oh, <laughs> give that until season 80. Right. <laughs> oh, season 80. Oh, Hyperion villas. Um, no, I don't know. I, I'm curious to see where this is going because I assume she wanted Anastasia awake to get the magic back. And maybe that's why she was crying is now that someone else woke her, she can't get the magic. Uh, I was almost expecting like Anastasia, Anastasia, because they used both terms in the show. Uh, to like Depends wake up on your t- accent. Exactly. To uh, wake up and belch light or something out of her mouth or her body because they made it sound like there was this magic trapped in there. So I was kind of expecting almost like something like the well in season one, some kind of escape of the magic. But maybe that's going to happen later next week. Uh, They kind of built that up, so I was wondering where that's going to go. So I'm still waiting to see. Uh, I'm thinking it's because she's an innocent, technically. Or is she the guardian? Uh, that's 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 my guess. That was actually going to be my guess if we talked about that. I think she is potentially, she's one of Rapunzel's bloodline. Every instance we've seen of her, the little that we have so far, she's very pure of heart. And there's something in the synopsis for next week that I read that I'm not going to reveal unless we talk about that later. But that leads me to also believe that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think she could be the guardian. Uh it was interesting. I, I definitely was was okay with it, though I was laughing because of the return of the sleeping curse. As far as everything leading up to that, uh, the one little tear legitimately being one little tear on the storybook, I was kind of confused because did Henry, I guess, chronicle what happened in their realm in his book, or is that one of the many books from the Sorcerer's House that's for their forest? And I know I'm getting, like, really technical here, but if it was Henry's storybook, I was kind of confused why this version of Rapunzel's story was in it if Henry was not around. Because I'm assuming he wasn't around when that story happened. So I'm actually wondering if it was Henry's book. That's interesting. Well, Mm. you know what? Thinking back, they all did look the same, didn't they? 
They all yeah, had the same all cover. The same color, so yeah. maybe it was the book from their realm per se. If yeah, if we yeah. think about it, and uh, as far as like Henry's book book, like the the paperback book mm-hmm. that we've seen, that chronicles up to the point to where Henry meets Ella, I yep. believe. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, I believe that we've gotten confirmation about that in the show in like an episode or two ago. Yeah, I'm curious to see, because that almost makes me wonder, are we going to find out how Victoria got her hands on her realm's storybook? Because that's something that they're not supposed to have. That's true. Maybe she ended up finding it before Lucy did. Or maybe Mm -hmm. she found out Lucy... No, it doesn't seem like Lucy ever had it, right? I can't remember in the finale if the book that she had when she was in the storybook realm... Because I, I know he told her to protect it, or, or if it was just the sword. The, I thought it was the book. When they were like in, and he Henry got captured by whatever darkness was coming. Doctor Facilier, in my opinion. Exactly, same here. I think he's going to be. I think he's a big bad in the latter half of the season. I think he is that darkness uh, now that he's been set loose. But I, I agree. I, I know, like no one could make it except for Jen and myself for that episode. But like. His smoke, like how he vanished, mm-hmm. was very similar to that smoke that was uh, chasing Henry. Yep, that was a note that I. It was had like a snaky smoke. To be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah and it was that weird snaky smoke. Mm-hmm. So, we'll see. Yeah. But overall, uh, it, it definitely my heartstrings tugged a little bit for Lucy when she collapsed, uh, and Jacinda was like, "Oh God, no!" Uh, so I'll be curious to see. Uh, how that plays out and as far as the thing with her nick and her too i i'm really curious to see if it actually does go anywhere beyond this episode because jacinda was like no i can't do this and i have a feeling henry's going to be the first person that she reaches out to with his news about lucy well there you go i like the sound of that something that they 100 percent need to answer is how did lucy figure things out like we were filled in on how henry found out like i don't know i don't think we found out in the pilot but almost immediately like within like the first little bit like we found out that he had the book and and that's how he um he sort of pieced things together like we need to figure out like where did lucy get this knowledge of uh like what happened because obviously her knowledge wasn't complete like she didn't know that to Ronnie was Regina so something must have happened they must have gone into hiding maybe at some point when they were in the magical forest and then Lucy was born and maybe Lucy never met Regina and that's why she didn't recognize her but something we need to figure it out like we need to find out what exactly happened I know in the next episode we're basically going to see like how the dark curse was enacted so it's kind of like the um the very first flashbacks that we saw in the pilot we're going to see like mm-hmm. the moments leading up to the curse happening mm-hmm. so yeah. they're going to have to go back at some point to like fill in a little bit more of the gaps it's interesting cuz like we've been seeing all these flashbacks to like how Jacinda not Jacinda but Ella and Henry fell in love in the magical forest now we're getting like a fast forward like almost like 10 years later because uh, Lucy is going to be alive, obviously, and, and the curse is going to happen. 
So Yeah, and seeing how she gets over... Because I think she was never under the curse. I think that if it's not Dr. Facilier, that Black Darkness might have been the Dark Curse taking Henry away, and I almost think Lucy traveled through portals to get there, perhaps. I don't know. Okay, that's going to be interesting as well. All right, uh, hmm. Jenna Pace. Okay, so um, I actually really want to focus on Lucy because this is the first time that a truest believer really has lost her faith. And we kind of see that with Henry, but... That's a lot. A lot of that is the curse's fault, and um, I'm with Vinny. I th- I don't think Lucy is cursed. Maybe there's like some confusion or stuff, or maybe um, as I as you pointed out and I theorized a few episodes ago, she never got to meet her grandmother, so she kind of um, so she didn't. So that's why she didn't recognize them. But it's interesting because in the six seasons, we never really saw Henry truly lose his faith. And now, not only is the heart of the truce believer kind of out of commission, so is his daughter, who's arguably almost fiercer in some ways. And I think that that's so dramatic, and it's such an interesting turn for them to take, and seeing where it's going to go. Now, as to the direction, I, I'm i not convinced that this is going to be like, that she's going to be out all that out for that long, although that is definitely a a turn they could take where it's kind of like, hey, the kid who was motivating you and pushing you forward, she's out of commission. Now you've kind of got to save yourself. So, like, almost Henry in the season one finale, but on a much bigger scale because, like, she she only barely got to start with him and start forming this bond with Henry and Jacinda and now she's out of commission, and they kind of have to make their happy ending happen. Kind of like, if I can go back to Into the Woods for a second, kind of like when they killed the narrator in Into the Woods. And then everybody, the storybook characters kind of had to figure out, hey, how do we end this thing without the narrator's voice to guide us? Where do we go without this spunky kid who knows things and is a true believer and is so pure of heart? And our only other pure heart right now is under a villain. Is our the other pure-hearted people are under the villains? What do we do? And I feel like this is setting up such an emotional change in the dynamic. Seeing seeing Lucy out of commission, it could be for a short while, it could be for a long while, but I think that's really gonna push all the characters in new and different directions. Like um, main, mainly our new kind of main three. Jacinda, Henry, and Nick, because these people are all really closely intertwined with her. So we're gonna, so we're gonna see the kind of hoops that this, uh, this tragic loss, this, yeah, this tragic loss is gonna put them in. The decisions they're gonna make with this happening now. Um, it was, and it's just so, and it's interesting because. And I also like how Victoria was really talking with Lucy and telling, giving her this reality. Like, we didn't get to see that, like, with Henry and Regina under the original curse because the whole time she was faking it. But this is a villain kind of going up to this plucky little kid and saying, no, that's not how it works, giving a real-world example, being bluntly honest with it, and then immediately showing how it applies to her, her life. So the fact they took down this truest believer, it's so believable, heart-wrenching. So, uh, yeah, it's believable, it's heart-wrenching, it's brutal. 
it just feels like they're in a fighting game and and um like in Mortal Kombat and Victoria Belfry just pulled the is just comboing her after comboing her and then she's doing the and she, then she's finishing her. Fatality. Yeah. Fatality. <laughs> Gosh. Get over here. Yeah. Katana wins. So it's interesting just seeing like that big source of light now well for however long she's going to be gone and placing everybody in this weird position like well how are we going to react to this what are we going to do now what choices is everybody going to make and how are how's everybody going to change in relation to each other because i think that that is one of the emotional centerpieces of the moment i also um i noticed this until vinnie pointed out but it was really weird seeing drizella's odd reaction to in the final moments when um, Anna and Victoria are reuniting. So, yeah, like, maybe it's just, like, even under, even given everything that happened, she still was kind of hoping there was a way to almost gain Victoria's love. Maybe she could, like, maybe she was trying to pull, like, a Jafar from the Wonderland show and manipulate it. But anyways, now that Anna's awake, that's just not going to happen. So, yeah, that was weird. But overall, those were my thoughts on that on those final moments. Really dramatic and emotional, and I think it's I think we're setting up something really big in the grander story and how Lucy's going to play into everything. Katie, yeah, um, these this last scene in particular was just very. I mean, it left us very the the audience very intrigued for what is going to happen in the next episode because I, it's going to lead directly into it. Um, it was very interesting in particular to see the contrast between, I mean, what the price of magic is. We see one person gets to wake up, but the other person gets to fall into a curse, uh, the sleeping curse. So it, it kind of parallels both the the uh, finale of the first season and also the Charming's Curse um, in a way where, I mean, obviously in the finale of the very first season, we see that Henry um, bites the apple turnover and he collapses. And it was interesting to see the two differences where it, it was it's kind of funny because I think we've made fun of it in the past, whereas, like, Emma just, like, it cuts off where I'm just like, Henry... And she's just, like, standing from across the room as he's collapsing, like, right. Henry? And then we see this one, where Jacinda, like, literally runs and, like, is freaking out. It's, it's really funny to see the comparison of the two. Um, they're both done for different dramatic effects, but um, I liked how Jacinda ran over and grabbed Lucy and is just like, what is going on? And it's going to be interesting to see if this parallels the finale of the first season where Henry gets rushed off to the hospital and we'll, we will see if this happens with um, Jacinda and Lucy as well, where maybe she'll get rushed off to the hospital as well. Um, And then it also kind of parallels with the Charmings where, you know, one had to, well, one was awake 
the other had to be sleeping. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if they're still able to wake Lucy up while Anastasia is alive. I would assume so, but it's just very interesting to see that price of magic where, yes, she gets to bring Anastasia back to life, but at the cost of Lucy. Um, so just the parallels were very, very touching and very intriguing in this last scene in particular. And then also kind of touching on what you said about Ivy. I agree. I mean, because from what we know, her goals were to also wake up Anastasia or to get the magic from Anastasia. And to see her kind of walk away crying is not what I expected at all. Um, I mean, I understand it because, yet again, her mother is, you know, showing that she loves Anastasia more. or And uh, Gisela feels left aside again. Um, but also, her mother is getting the one-up on her um, again. So... It's going to be very interesting to see where Ivy goes from here and what she does um, to get back her control of the situation. Um, So it's just the scene and the end of this episode left us with so many questions. And I think it's going to be a really jam-packed mid-season finale, and I'm really excited to see it. Totally, yeah. I echo what everyone has said about the final moment with Drizella. I'm very confused by it, and I'm sure we will get some sort of exposition in the next episode explaining why she's feeling the way she's feeling about uh, the situation at hand. I was really surprised. Like, 100%, totally, completely unexpected surprised that uh, Anastasia, Anastasia, Anna, woke up. Just because, uh, in filming spoilers, like, I don't think there have been any filming spoilers with Anastasia, right? Like, as far as in Hyperion Heights? Not that I've seen. No, because I think she's only done indoor scenes. Okay, they've done a really good job at hiding her, because... Mm -hmm. I wasn't expecting this at all. There was a part of me, because of this being sort of like her flashback episode, I thought this was going to be an episode in which Victoria might have gotten like a little nudge into the realm of redemption, just because I really feel like at some point in the Magical Forest, Victoria has to team up with our people to take down, or at least to try to take down, Drisella. I feel like that's something that's going to have to happen at some point. And so, I felt like, since we hadn't heard any news of Anastasia, Anastasia, like, filming outdoors in Hyperion Heights, I was like, well, maybe, you know, she's just in the flashback, we'll see her in the present, but it's not going to work out. Or maybe Victoria would have had sort of like a, um, you know, a um, change of heart, and she would have realized that maybe it's the price isn't worth it, and uh, she wasn't going to do what she ended up doing. But then, obviously, like she ended up doing it, and it does fit in with the character, especially what we saw in uh, the flashback. You know, she was hell bent 
on uh, reuniting with her family. She was hell-bent on piecing her family together. And she was hell-bent on, uh, you know, trying to keep Anastasia alive by any means necessary, even with that teeny tiny final little breath. And so it did make sense that she did what she did to get, uh, to achieve her goal. But uh, because we hadn't really seen her being filmed like i was like i didn't think it was gonna happen but it did obviously and so i guess we'll have to wait and see how long anastasia is alive and we have to get some information on what is going on whether it's you know one has to be alive one is one is uh one is asleep one isn't or is she just in a sleeping curse will true love's kiss like wake her up and then uh, both Lucy and Anastasia are going to be alive. I guess we'll have to wait and see. But it was a really neat way to end the episode. I loved Victoria and Lucy together. They, they, I don't know. It just, it was really nice to see them together. And and uh, seeing Victoria like try to um, gain sympathy from Lucy was really nice, especially after Lucy has been so hell bent on her being the villain. And, uh, yeah, I'm just curious to see what's going to happen next. I'm excited. So, now, it is time for the MVP, the most valuable player. Which character impressed you the most and why? The rules are simple. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. And if someone has already mentioned the character that you were going to choose, you must select a different one. No repeats. We are going to start off with Jenna Pace. Alrighty, um, I think for my focal, um, for my MVP, I'm going to choose Rumple. Um, I really like seeing his vulnerability, seeing just kind of how weak and how how easily he succumbs to darkness under the, like, without Belle or Gideon or Balefire by his side, but also to see that just as vulnerable as he is, he is still committed to making his his long-time redemption and his search for the Guardian really work by doing the right thing at the end of the episode. He's definitely a man who is not without his vices, but is is learning. And this is a really sincere attempt at redemption by trusters to by trusting others, trusting the right people to help you out. And this was a really good discovery episode for that. And it works, and his arc within this singular episode works really well. So, that's my choice. Great job, Robert Carlyle. Vinny, your MVP, and why? Mother Gothel. One hand, 100% hands down, because she went from being a seemingly one-dimensional villain with an agenda that we may not have known what it was, but it seemed fairly obvious and predictable, to making me question exactly what her motives are, where they originate from, what her, you know, just driving force is, and the fact that I started to question if maybe she's not as much of a villain as I initially thought uh, really stood out to me above all the other acting in the episode. Very good choices, everyone. Katie, what about you? Your MVP and why? Okay. Well, since someone chose her, I guess I will choose her. I will go with um, she doesn't even know her name. Virginia? I don't know what one to even call her. There's too many. Virginia. She's so adorable. <laughs> Trevin Yenzel. There we go. 
<laughs> exactly. So Rapunzel, Lady Tremaine, Virginia, Victoria, whatever you prefer. I am going to go with her. Um, just because, I mean, obviously she was the focal point of the episode. And I loved how we got her backstory. I loved to see um, her love for her family. Um, just to see her arc how she went from a woman who is looking to take care of her family and to keep them together and to keep them alive to uh, a woman who, I mean, in modern day is, you know, she still loves her daughter and she wants her daughter back alive. And uh, just to see how different her relationships looked from the beginning of the episode to the end of the episode with um, all of her different children, you know, to see how it changed, how her, I mean, obviously she harbors such hate for Ella, and she also harbors such hate or such disdain for Ivy. Um, it was just, it was very intriguing. And to see her kind of step back into power after being in jail. So I, I really did enjoy getting to see more of her in this episode. All right, and I am going to go with the only, I think, other acceptable MVP, <laughs> Lucy. Yay. Yes, shout out to Allison Fernandez. I was really impressed with her in the episode, I mean, especially in particular, like the scene, I mean, of course, with Victoria and, and, and Lucy together, like, she worked really well with Gabrielle Anwar, and, uh... Seeing, like, Lucy's spirit get crushed. Like, because I didn't know how they were going to do it. Because remember, we were told many moons ago that uh, Lucy's belief had to get snuffed out. And uh, at that time, I was like, I don't know how they're going to stop this girl from believing. Like, she's the epitome of uh, the Journey song. Don't stop. Believing. No one's going to continue on? Hold on to that feeling. Close enough. Um, it, was a, it was a little pitchy. <laughs> Dog. What? Are you Simon Cowell? I know, right? <laughs> yeah. and, and so I was like, how are they going to do it? But they did it, and they did it in a very believable way. Like, you know, she ripped apart her uh, feelings of happy endings and, you know, families being together and that kind of thing. And uh, Allison Fernandez knows how to cry. Like, those were real tears. And, like, like I, it just, it was beautiful to see. Obviously, I felt bad for Lucy. But it was still, like, beautiful to see acting-wise. So I have to give it to Lucy. And um, she did a really good job at fainting as well. Like, I was here for it. I was like, okay, I believe that. I did. All right, <laughs> let's rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 apples? The point system is allowed. And if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may grant it the coveted golden apple. And let's switch up the order. Let's start off with Vinny. 
I'm going to have to go with eight apples for this episode. Uh, overall, I think it was a really, really good episode, providing exposition and background on one of the characters that we were really unclear on, and it set some seeds for going into the season finale. They're going to be really interesting. Uh, Mid-season it, finale. It was enjoyable. Mid-season finale, sorry. <laughs> Oops. Um, yeah, I, I, it was solid. The The nitpicks that I had were very few and far between. Um but it wasn't up there with Golden Apple for me because um, there were a couple of things that I think could have been done differently uh, that we had talked about and that I mentioned. But yeah, I, that that's pretty much, I feel it's a solid eight. Katie? Okay, I am going to give it a nine um, because I, I really was entertained the whole episode. I felt like we got a lot of answers to a lot of questions. We had more answers come up or not answers, more questions pop up and ended in a really good place. We got Weaver and, uh, wow, Rogers. Yep, that's his name. We that got is. Weaver. <laughs> Weavers and Ro- Weavers. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Virginia. <Katie>. Virginia Weavers. <laughs> okay. Weaver and Listeners, Rogers. Katie... Katie has been using the Rosetta Stone to learn English. <laughs> How did you know? Did she study it in the winter? Yeah, it's in the winter. What? <laughs> we got Weaver and Ro- Rogers um, to be teaming up. We got some great Lucy content. Um, there were a few things to nitpick, but uh, overall I give it a good 9 out of 10 apples. Okay. Just want to make sure you were done, Katie. <laughs> okay. I am. <laughs> okay, good. Jenna, what about you? I'm also going to give it a 9 out of 10 apples. Um, this episode was fantastically engaging. Um, really shine some light on some of the reasons why these characters are so compelling and nuanced. And you really get to see, get a sense of their transformations. And it's not filled in, but I think that a lot of it is filled in. And it was filled in in a really respectable, good, smart way. Um, the journeys in the present that some of these characters go on are really cool, unique, and uh, they open the door for for interesting stories to come out of come out of them, like with Rogers and Weaver, Katie, and um, for shade, and those, uh, shade, shade, too. shade, whatever. <laughs> oh, I still love you, Katie. Um, Anyways, uh, there were a couple, I I will admit there were a couple story points um, that he did a really good job pointing out some odd moments. um, And then there were, and I will admit some things are, some things were a little more rushed than I'd like them to be. But I think overall, the emotions and the emotions um, and the, and like the reasonings added up well enough to justify to justify the choices and the decisions that the characters made. So, 9 out of 10. Alright, and I agree with someone. And that someone is not Vinny. I agree with the two ladies. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going with the 9. Maybe Vinny is the cowl. The Simon Cowell. Oh, maybe I am. Maybe. Oh. Or the no, Russian just wait judge. Just until Zelina's back, and I'm rating every episode of ten. Oh, okay, that's true. exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so starting next week. <laughs> yes. But yeah, I'm giving it uh, a nine. I thought it was a solid episode. I really liked the flashback. 
and even though, uh, you know, the, the present-day stuff was kind of, like, all over the place, to be quite honest, and if you think about it, like, this is the first episode this season without Henry or Ronnie in the episode, so that was interesting in and of itself. Um, I did like the plot advancement and the exposition. I loved uh, exploring uh, Victoria, Lady Tremaine, Virginia, Rapunzel's flashback and, and her life, and... It probably gets sort of like an extra half a point just because I called it. But, um, like, it was awesome. And, and I did like the reveal. And uh, I was here for the ending. I am fascinated to see, like, what they're going to do in the midseason finale. Because, obviously, it's going to end in some sort of cliffhanger. And... I don't know what the cliffhanger is going to be. Like, I'm I'm so worried for our people because there's a cliffhanger coming. And I feel like we're going to get a lot of juicy reveals next week, especially with like, what the price is of uh, the curse. So I feel like this was like a, a good episode, sort of like filling us in on a lot of stuff that we need to know before we get into like, a really good mid-season finale. So, I'm here for it. I'm pumped. And nine from me. So, on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of Storybook Weekly Mirror. Once again, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash storybrookweeklymirror. Follow us on Tumblr, storybrookweeklymirror.tumblr.com. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash poppychularadio. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for Storybrook Weekly Mirror and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night. Good night, good night guys. guys. See good you next night. Week. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of Storybrooke Weekly Mirror every Tuesday and Wednesday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chulo Radio Archives. Our Tuesday show is our episode discussion, and our Wednesday show is our special spoiler edition of Storybrooke Weekly Mirror. Good night. <laughs>